0: clock there. Good to go. So, good to be with you. I'm excited. Gone to the bathroom like 13 times today. Just so excited. I don't know what's up, but anyway, I think I'll make it through this little chat. So, uh, the previous messages have been just foundationally awesome for what we're going to talk about this afternoon. Uh, specifically last session. I mean, this is basically part two. So if if you're watching the archives later, wherever the cameras are, um, go check out Caleb Schofield's message and then listen to this if you want. If you still need to after that, I don't know. (laughs) It's awesome. So um, I'll be seeking to just encourage us further into this cross-shaped, cruciform lifestyle by specifically challenging us in the place of mission, faithful mission. The message is titled, The Obstacle of Failing to Love Our Enemies, and we'll address the need for love to abound still more and more as we seek to give a faithful gospel witness in this late hour. So we're going to start by looking at the direct command of Jesus to love our enemies, and then look briefly at the apostolic pattern and heart posture, In following Jesus' command missionally, which we did hear a lot about um, last message. So we'll look next at the sobering challenge then ahead for the church in conforming to this faithful mission. And we'll finish with encouraging tools toward prayer and persevering in love for our enemies as his day approaches. So let's first start off in Luke 6. I'm going to go with the Luke version. There's Matthew as well. It's wonderful. Um, I want to... Basically, we, we want to read the whole passage together so as to get a good feel for the context in which Jesus gives a command specifically to love our enemies. We'll go with verse 20. Luke 6, 20-36... And turning his gaze toward his disciples, he began to say, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when men hate you and ostracize you and insult you and scorn your name as evil for the sake of the Son of Man. Be glad in that day and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in the heavens. For in the same way their fathers used to treat the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you are receiving your comfort in full. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you shall be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep woe to you when all men speak well of you for their fathers used to treat the false prophets in the same way but I say to you who hear love your enemies do good to those who hate you bless those who curse you pray for those who mistreat you whoever hits you on the cheek offer him the other also and whoever takes away your coat do not withhold your shirt from him either Give to everyone who asks of you, and whoever takes away what is yours, do not demand it back. Treat others the same way you want them to treat you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Right, you know, credit, he's been talking about reward. So, what reward is that to you? Right? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners in order to receive back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High. For he himself is kind to ungrateful and evil men. Be merciful just as your father He's merciful. All right. So in reading the whole passage, we see that there is a couple things that should be highlighted in the context in relation to loving your enemies. Loving our enemies. So first of all, the pattern that Jesus is setting out for his disciples is very forward looking. It's hope filled. OK, uh, it's it's a counter to the pattern that the God of this age is discipling the world into. The world's wisdom says, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. The world is focused on living for this age. But Jesus is giving us wisdom in light of the age to come, and the great reward he mentions of inheritance, resurrection, and his kingdom. It's very forward-looking. You hunger now, you shall be satisfied. So firstly, Jesus is setting a pattern for his disciples that is forward-looking, And it's hope-filled. You see in verse 23, Jesus saying, in the day that you are persecuted or mistreated, rejoice and be glad. Why? Because you have a great reward being stored up in the heavens. He ends the exhortation in verse 35, again saying, your reward will be great. Okay? He's pointing us to live in light of our future inheritance, pointing us to a pattern that keeps the blessed hope as an anchor. That his day would be an anchor and the joy set before us. Secondly, he calls us to love our enemies so as to be sons of God. To be like the father. So there's a representing our father. And we're talking missionally a little bit here, right? Representing our father that we get to do as sons Because God Himself loves His enemies. He Himself is kind to ungrateful and evil men, Scripture says, right? So Jesus follows this up with Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. So He's calling us to represent the Father in what He does and who He is. He is merciful. He loves his enemies. So it's clear that being a son involves being uh, like your father. And so the call, ultimately, this the these two things together then, the call to love our enemies is a call to represent God or display who God is. While we live in light of a coming day, the day of exaltation of God, so our hope is in there, And we believe that this wisdom will actually be vindicated on that day. The wisdom of of loving our enemies, or or as Caleb mentioned clearly, denying ourselves and taking up our cross, laying our lives down, that this wisdom will be vindicated. There is great reward. The meek will inherit the earth. Beloved, do, do, do the meek inherit the earth today? Is this some kind of spiritual saying? the meek get crushed in this age right? so Jesus is, is forward-looking has us looking out uh, uh, for this joy set before us that we would endure the cross like he did so I loved what Caleb said um, who's who's preaching the, the gospel better than Jesus right so it's not only that Jesus commands us to do this thing he did this thing he went to the cross so the example of jesus so it's got to be added that this context that this other age age to come context in talking about loving our enemies doesn't stop with jesus talking to his disciples it stops and doesn't stop actually but it includes him going to the cross to show the way so um he you know he is the son of of God, and So he displays what being a son of the Most High looks like in, in his mercy and the way he plays it out. So listen to how the author of Hebrews encourages us in chapter 12, 1 through 3. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners, his enemies, right, against himself. So that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Why would we grow weary and lose heart when we're running this great race of glory? Isn't that you know, that doesn't make sense, right? So it's very clear that that who who the for the joy set before him, he endured the cross that the author tells us to endure the race set before us and then clarifies what the race is. Connecting it to Jesus, enduring the hostility of sinners against himself, the testing, the argument, blow by blow by blow, father, forgive them. They know not what they do. That's the response. That's enduring the race. So this is the radiance of God's glory. The exact representation of his nature. Hebrews 1. So Jesus not only calls us to this wise pattern. He walks it out perfectly as the example to us of who God is. So He glorifies his father in himself. We've seen him, we've seen the father. As the image of God, he displays the father perfectly. And his display is the way of the cross. The way of loving his enemies, even unto death. And that's clear. Caleb mentioned uh, Romans 5, 8. God demonstrates his own love toward us. In that while we were yet sinners, his enemies, Christ died for us. This is who God is and thus this is how we must bear witness to who he is as the church. So I want to look now at the, the apostles' pattern as the church continues on, the apostles' message and methods agree with Jesus's call to display the Father in this cross-shaped way of love. So let's take a look at the apostolic pattern and heart posture that agrees with Jesus's command. An example loving our enemies Uh, really the pattern of the apostles and mission of the church can be found in Ephesians 3 uh, when Paul uh, prays for the church so he right before he's going to pray for the church to be strengthened by the spirit through tribulations like his he's he's been going through tribulations and then he begins praying for them to be strengthened He explains the ministry of preaching the unfathomable riches of Christ and bringing to light the mystery now revealed in this richness for this purpose. He says this so that the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known through the church. To the rulers and authorities in the heavens. Okay, Caleb mentioned being in the uh, elevator with your wife and someone hearing you yell even if there's no one in there man powers and principalities in the heavens are watching <laughs> you know if you want to say satan is ready to accuse and we want to be give a faithful witness as the church in loving our enemies so that even behind closed doors we're not speaking ill of people even behind closed doors we're loving well that love is abounding still more and more And all the more against our enemies, as this continues to testify, ultimately, of the way of the cross, right? So we've gone over it many times, uh, the wisdom of God, the manifold wisdom of God, um, being known, being made known, talked about here in Ephesians 3, is what? It's the way of the cross. Look at 1 Corinthians 1 and 2 if you want to... you know, if you want more confidence growing in that truth because it's just very clear, the wisdom and power of God um, is the cross. So there's a declaration and a demonstration of the wisdom of God found at the cross that is the mission of the church. There's a presentation of the light of the glory of God in the face of Christ, right? A re-presentation of of Messiah and Him crucified that the church must bear witness to. Is this making sense? Okay. Saw some heads shaking, yes. That was good. So the mission, mission of the church then is to display the manifold wisdom of God even to powers and principalities by rejoicing to declare and demonstrate the way of the cross, the wisdom and power of God. Because at the heart of the way of the cross is a demonstration of the love and glory of God. Jesus represents his father perfectly in the ultimate demonstration of him when he went to the cross to love his enemies. It's the ultimate display. This is what we're finding over and over in the scripture. Different messages after different messages. The ultimate display is found at the cross. And in mission, then, we represent our father. We represent God. We carry his name by representing Jesus and him crucified. So Paul gives us some more language to that in Colossians 1, 24. He says this. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. And in my flesh I do my share on behalf of his body, which is the church, in what? In filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. Is there something lacking in Christ's afflictions? Never. You know, may it never be. You should say, you know. Well, of course, nothing's lacking in the efficiency and sufficiency of Christ's atoning work on the cross. Except the re-presentation of it to those who haven't heard or haven't seen. If they haven't seen it, that's lacking for them, isn't it? Right? So Paul has it in mind that his suffering, like Jesus, is part of the mission of the church to display the light of the glory of God in the face of Christ. As Caleb referenced, again, Peter gives this wisdom. So you have some uh, Paul... Mentioned here, um, Peter gives this wisdom to offer the church when he commanded them likewise in chapter two of his first letter. I'm gonna read verse twenty through twenty-three, but twenty uh, B. <laughs> but if when you do what is right and suffer for it, you patiently endure it, this finds favor with God. So he's saying this is right and good. Patiently endure. The hostilities of sinners, right? Like like Jesus did. When you do that, that is good. Finds favor with God. For you have been called for this purpose since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps, who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. And while being reviled by his enemies, he did not revile in return. That he got struck on one cheek and offered another, right? (laughs) Isn't that what? So he's doing this thing. He he made a way for us. He he gave us the example to look to, to meditate on, to be considered. While being reviled, he did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. He loved his enemies. So should you basically right so you see here again that the apostles continued to give the command to the church to follow the example of jesus to love our enemies like he did there are plenty of clear pictures of this in the lives of the disciples but i just want to look at one that really encourages me um for the sake of time stephen in Acts six and seven um so let's let's look to him look to this story um now so Stephen's been falsely accused by his countrymen had just finished his uh, defense which was simply a gospel presentation historically uh, according to the law and the prophets and now he's facing an angry mob ready to stone him to death so what happens next is profoundly insightful chapter 7 verse 54 let's read this together now When they heard this, they were cut to the quick and they began gnashing their teeth at him. But being full of the Holy Spirit, he gazed intently into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, behold, I see the heavens opened up and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Okay, so he sees the glory of God and Jesus with all authority given to him, remember. Jesus has all authority given to him. Standing at the right hand of the father. And what is Jesus doing with all that authority? When his beloved servant is threatened by an angry mob with death. A mob of his enemies. He's standing with the father with his nail scarred hands, mediating. Making intercession. He's having mercy. He's having mercy on his enemies. He's not snuffing out their breath. I mean, he could do all these things, right? He's not snuffing out the breath of his enemies. Not sending angels to defend Stephen. Not calling fire from heaven. He's having mercies on his enemies now. You see, when we get a vision, when we get an understanding of what our Lord is doing in this present evil age, when we understand that he has a day coming, When all men would give an account, but now he's having mercy on the wicked, not wishing that one would perish. When we understand this, that he sends sunshine on the righteous and the wicked, that he's kind to ungrateful and wicked men. When we get this, when we get a vision of this, then we can respond to his example and represent him or represent him rightly. We can give a faithful witness of him so let's look at how that went for Stephen 57 but they cried out with a loud voice and covered their ears and rushed at him with one impulse when they had driven him out of the city they began stoning him and the witnesses laid aside their robes at the feet of a young man no one will ever know his name after this and Saul now Paul of course Paul did he bless his enemies did it produce fruit Did the church pray for Saul? Did anything happen about that? Did God hear their cry? Okay. They went on stoning Stephen as he called on the Lord and said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then falling on his knees after seeing the Lord with all his authority, having mercy, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Having said this, Fell asleep. He died. Sounds familiar to us, right? Sounds like Jesus' words from the cross. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Jesus displayed faith. Jesus was displayed faithfully. By Stephen. So Stephen was a faithful witness. Right? May it be said of us. May it be so for us like it was with Peter and Paul and Stephen and so many other brothers and sisters who have gone before us. Faithfully displaying Jesus in word and in deed. So that's kind of the point of this little afternoon chat, right? That we would actually do it too. That we would take heed to these words. That we would obey what Jesus commanded us to do. Amen? So I believe that there's a warning for us um, as we seek to give faithful witness in this late hour. So I, I believe we're all, uh, obviously, we're, i mean, we're just really desiring to give a faithful witness. And in the midst of all that, in the midst of our desires, in the midst of our readings, in the midst of our encouraging one another worshiping the Lord in prayer, there's there's a difficulty. There's a challenge. It's not easy. And we talked about the way of the cross is offensive. It's hard. It's very difficult. And so um, I want to look together uh, at Matthew 24. And then I'll share some of my um, challenges from our labors in the Middle East. And we'll end with some of those tools that I was talking about for prayer uh, that would sustain us in this late hour. So let's look at Matthew twenty-four. That's in the New Testament, the first book. For those like myself who are still trying to find it, there we go. All right, I'll go ahead and read. We're going to do verse four to fourteen. In the context of what what's coming at the end of the age. Jesus answered and said to them. See to it that no one misleads you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will mislead many. You'll be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not frightened, for those things must take place, but that is not yet the end. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and in various places there will be famines and earthquakes. But all of these things are merely the beginning of birth pangs. Then they will deliver you to tribulation and will kill you. And you will be hated by all nations because of my name. At that time many will fall away and will betray one another and hate one another. Many false prophets will arise and will mislead many. Because lawlessness is increased, most people's love will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end, he will be saved. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world, as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. So we can see right there at the end of the passage, a clear call to mission, to preach the gospel of the kingdom to all peoples until the end. It's a resolute call and a promise, in line with what we see in Revelation 5:9, where people from every tribe, tongue, and people group have been bought with the blood of the Lamb. You see it again in Revelation 7, where these same people, Worshiping the Lord redeemed. So the call is very clear an undistracted mission. But as I read most of the passage, I'm reading a warning and wisdom from Jesus too. to so look it over again. We see an intensity that most of us kind of come to expect. You know, you've been in the faith for a while. You come to expect the basics of our faith require us to take up our cross, follow him. We're going to face persecution. Jesus says this kind of stuff, so. So though it's intense, we we expect to hear that. But what shocks me the most is is basically the use of this one Greek word, polos, however you want to say it. It means many, great amounts, or most. And Matthew uses it here several times to describe the grand scale of what's coming before the Lord's return. You you have it here, um, at that time many will fall away. And will betray one another and hate one another. Many false prophets will arise and will mislead many. Because lawlessness is increased, most people's love will grow cold. But the one who dur- endures to the end will be saved. You've got the whole world mentioned. So many misled, many will fall away, many false prophets, all nations, most people's love grows cold. The whole world, a fool, only a fool would say, oh, this passage here is not relevant to me. That's not talking about me. Um I don't you know, it's not a big deal. Wisdom demands we pay attention when you got many and most and lots of people and probably you and <laughs> you know what I mean. Um, so there's a sobriety in these wise words that we need to, to heed. So I've studied this passage, gained a lot from this passage for a long time, um, but the sobriety didn't really hit me, and I, I wanted to hit me harder. Um, it didn't hit me that hard until the challenges of living uh, among my enemies pressed me a bit. And so, yep, yeah, my wife and I and four kids, we live in the Middle East. We minister the gospel in the Muslim world and have experienced a small dose of harassment uh, from the local people. We've had things thrown at us. We've um, been ripped off, lied to on a regular basis. And... Um, I'm just going to read it so they don't, you know, whatever, get emotional here. But <clears throat> we, it, you know, there's a lot of stress involved. Lots of There's constant just wanting to go out for a walk with your kids, but knowing that we are probably going to be harassed by some of the young guys. Um, well, let's take a taxi. We're probably going to get ripped off, <laughs> you know, like whether it's true or it's perceived, you know, it's happened to us before. So there we're thinking it's probably going to happen again or, you know, just the constant wrestle. Of that, but it's really not only that. I mean, that's, that's circumstantial things that happen as being a foreigner, but it's also when, when you uh, come to a people who are hostile to your way of life and to what you stand for that you really realize this is a day in and day out grind. This is anti Christ hostility that we live among day in and day out the blasphemy from the towers multiple times a day going forth in a land that we live in every day. You, you see what I'm saying? So it's it's different. So remember your Arab brothers and sisters. Remember remember your basically the persecuted uh, church in the Middle East because this is what they're dealing with. And then also remember laborers come from a foreign context who – they're desperate. I'm desperate. I don't know. I mean, others can talk about something else, but I'm desperate for the grace of God. Like we're we're desperate. So, the point of this is to say there is a antichrist lawlessness that we we're just beginning to touch the surface on that on a daily level has affected me. Okay? And my love So, so, I'll tell a story because the struggle is real. <laughs> I don't know if you can tell. Um, <clears throat> When Jesus says most people's love will grow cold, don't be most people, (laughs) okay? That's the goal. That's the warning, okay? So there's a story, and I will share to kind of explain a little bit in more detail. There's there's a time last year I was having a tough time with the local people, uh, wanting to be around local people. I didn't realize it at the time, but um, a couple of brothers and I had planned to go on a prayer retreat. A uh, much-needed prayer retreat maybe you can tell I'm a, I'm a mess I need uh, quite a bit of prayer write that down in your daily calendar you to pray for this guy <laughs> okay um, but anyway we're heading to uh, another city we're gonna we're gonna go a couple nights to pray and fast together and I was really looking forward to it um, but we had a challenge because we were deciding between the three of us whether to take to rent a car which is like a hundred bucks maybe I don't know or to take a public bus just a few hours north for this retreat so I know a few things about how the Arab world functions and what that would look like to take a public bus and that things don't necessarily go as smoothly as i control freak like things to go, so I thought that we should rent a car. I was pretty like, oh, yeah, we should just, let's do it, and ready to pay for the whole thing, and, <laughs> you know, just to, because we're going on a nice little prayer meeting. We want the nice little prayer meeting, okay, me and Jesus. Um, we'd have nice conversations in the car. We can listen to worship music. It's wonderful. The alternative, then, is that we've got cigarette smoke and the Quran blaring in our ears on the way up to our nice prayer prayer retreat, okay, so I thought this is a no-brainer, but the other brothers, they were they were ready to just, no, come on, let's do it, um, but the Lord knows best, and, and that's so that's what we did, so we're on the bus, it smells, the cigarette smokes there, there's signs everywhere, don't smoke, but um, people are smoking, the Quran's blaring in our ears, and um, I hate everything about my current situation, I hate it, and I realized it. This is hate. Like I actually, I hate these people right now. I hate these people. What's wrong with me? I'm. I, did, did I tell you I'm a missionary, right? <laughs> missionary to people, to love them with the gospel, and I hate them. If that's not failure, you know what I'm saying. But that is failure. You see how important it is. But you see how easy it is to not love as well. It's going to be hard to—it's going to be hard to uh, really kind of impart that. You're just going to have to trust me. Daily grind, antichrist, lawlessness. <laughs> You're going to have to trust me. It's not—it's—it's it, it's not easy. And, but it is easy for your love to grow cold, and that's what happened to me. And I realized right then, the spirit was so kind. Um, to convict me of that, my love had grown cold. So I asked the Lord for help, and I heard the word compassion. And I remembered that Jesus had compassion one time. Um, sure it was more than that, right? But I remembered from the scripture that it said that Jesus had looked upon the crowds, and he saw that they were dispirited and disheveled. They were like sheep without a shepherd. And he looked on them with compassion. You see, I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, and now I see. Is that too cliche? Mm -mm. Have you received mercy? Were you once an enemy? Yes. So I looked around and I began to get a dose of compassion as I meditated on Jesus' words. And I saw um, how broken Islam is and how profoundly deceptive Muhammad's teachings are so these people are sinners in need of a savior and they're sheep with a false shepherd love them love them according to the scripture love them according to the gospel love them according to the way of the cross which is to love them as enemies whether they're nice people not nice people love them so in our own countries, bring it back down to reality, (laughs) where we are here. America specifically, there is a growing disdain for law and a clear delusion regarding right and wrong. We're over there, get a little dose of Facebook, and you go, "Are, are we going insane? I mean, literally, insane. Some of the things that we're saying, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, we need more of that. In the church, too. Believers. So the days of Judeo-Christian values that have in some way lulled us to sleep, those days are gone. They just are. And I think that's helpful for us to acknowledge. And lawlessness, or His right instruction, is surely increasing in the earth today, As Jesus said it would. He prophesied it Right here. We just read that. (laughs) Lawlessness will increase. And most people's love will grow cold. Okay, right? So don't be most people. Um, The warning for us is to get uncomfortable with our props. Now. And embrace the wisdom of the cross before the days of wickedness become the daily grind. Before lawlessness wins the day in your neighborhoods, in your town halls, in your grocery stores and restaurants, before that happens, embrace the cross. It's going to happen. Will we be standing ready to give a faithful witness in that hour? have time just for a little bit here Um, we need grace we need such grace so I'm going to give us some tools this afternoon if you'll let me Um, it's really just language for prayer prayer accesses grace And grace is what the church needs to persevere in love, even love for our enemies, even unto death. Because that would be sweet if we did that. Stephen did that, and we're going, that's the man, right? You know what I mean? Like, we're going, I want to be like that. I want to be full of grace and truth, full of wisdom and the Holy Spirit. I want to receive understanding of what God's doing now so that I can respond and live accordingly in the hour of trial and tribulation. So I'm going to basically just end with prayer, but more kind of instruction for prayer, and then we'll, we'll pray it together. And we can pray it later, too. I think we'll have prayer times. I encourage you to take the notes. So basically there's three kind of categories I'm going to work through hopefully kind of quickly. We got time, a uh, little bit of time. Um, and they're all they all have M's. so my wife and I Matt and Melissa, you can remember uh, uh, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. So if you're taking notes, please write these down. It'll be very helpful I think toward the end you'll be glad you wrote it down maybe hopefully. Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. The next one is mercy and mission. And the next one is Mary of Bethany and martyrdom. Okay? So let's work through this real quick. Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. I hope this I'm, I'm excited. Because this helps me. I hope it helps you too. Okay. So this heart posture is first and foremost. Okay? Maranatha. Come, Lord Jesus. Paul promises a crown of righteousness for those who are given to it. Through trial and imprisonment, Paul had set his gaze on the coming of Jesus and the reward of his coming kingdom. Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus. He says this in 2 Timothy 4 5 through 8. But you, be sober in all things, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the course, I have kept the faith. Verse 8, in the future there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. So let's love his appearing. Peter has probably the clearest commander along, along these lines. When we read 1 Peter 1, 13, Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's a good election year verse, isn't it? Our hope is not in a political leader to fix things, right? To fix the earth. May it never be. That's unfaithful right there. That's an unfaithful witness. May it never be. Our hope is in the Messiah to come back and fix it. So it's the most stabilizing verse when everything around you is in crisis. Proverbs tells us that hope deferred makes the heart sick. But there is a hope that will never disappoint, right? He has a day. Fix your hope on his coming day. He will make all things right. He will purge the wicked Enemies, right? And the righteous will inherit the kingdom. This is how our prayers begin. We explain to our children some things going on in our region. ISIS is on the border; they are doing atrocities to our brothers and sisters. Uh, let's pray for them. But it's it's terrible things are happening, right? Unspeakable humanitarian crisis is at a level unheard of, reaching a boiling point. It's really. Too much to bear. Wickedness is increasing all over the earth. We can't take it anymore, Lord. Send your son, right? Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. We love your coming. It is good that our righteous, your righteousness go forth from Zion and disciple the nations. It is good. We love your righteous leadership. No other man will do. Maranatha. Come, so set your hope completely on this; you won't be disappointed. It's the rootedness we need. But there's another step here. You can't just leave it there, right? Maranatha, kill your enemies, Lord, <laughs> right? How is your love, your love's gonna grow cold doing that, I think. But and and that happens, right? We focus on just one piece of the puzzle, and you, you miss God. You miss what God's doing the next part of our prayer comes from the next heart cry, and that is mercy and mission. So we've got the, the little tykes, little lambs with us, and we're discipling them in these things, and we're trying to navigate. There's crazy things going on, right? This is really where love begins to burn hot and not grow cold. And, uh, it's, you know, it's when a taxi driver exploits me and cheats me. That's not good. Right? When um, a woman is trafficked. As a slave, that's not good. When a baby's aborted, different things. This is not good. Jesus has a day of reckoning for those unrepentant perpetrators of injustice. Those practicing lawlessness. We leave that to him. Lawlessness will be no more. So we say, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. When our prayer is, come Lord Jesus, we love you and want your righteous leadership on the earth. We're loving God rightly. But. Knowing him and his ways helps us to not stop our prayer with Maranatha. We know that God is having mercy on his enemies right now. When he comes, he will not be having mercy on his enemies any longer. The time for mercy will have ended. So there's urgency. So the next part of our prayer goes like this. We we, we say Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. But until you come, Lord. Have mercy and raise up a faithful witness among your enemies. Lord, send laborers into the ripe harvest field to declare and demonstrate a faithful gospel before your day. Rescue your enemies with your gospel power. So this this heart cry combats that hatred for the wicked. Becoming unchecked, right? We are to love our enemies as he loves them. And his desire is that all men come to the knowledge of the truth and are saved. So we then go into praying for the leaders of ISIS, for pimps and political pundits who are promoting wicked agendas, right? So that they would have encounters with the Lord that would cause their hearts to tremble and turn to him like happened to us. We pray for laborers to be strengthened, to give a faithful witness to them, even unto death how will they hear without a preacher, right? Paul says. This leads us to our final heart cry and end of the prayer. The martyrdom piece and Mary of Bethany. You know, the Lord is coming back and we've placed our whole hope in his coming. He's promised that before he comes, every people group will receive a faithful witness of the gospel. And he gave us, the church, the call and equipment to do the work. So we all long for his coming. And we all labor for his harvest. Loving God and loving people. It's pretty simple. But at what cost? Our whole lives. Right? Lay down your life. Everything. Love God with everything. Right? This is the only right response to our precious master. Who laid down his life and invited us to join him in the wisdom of the cross? So the final part, part, I said part uh, so the final part of our prayer is to pray for the church. It's important that we pray for the church. Pray for ourselves. Pray for our church for strength to remain faithful in the giving of the gospel, even unto death. Mary of Bethany saw Jesus with her own eyes raise her brother from the dead. She knew he was the one promised, the one found worthy, the one who would bring the restoration promised in the scriptures. The resurrection in the kingdom, right? She saw it. She saw him do it. So she responded by pouring her whole life out on him. She responded. This way to the gospel. And Jesus called it wisdom. And said it would be remembered everywhere the gospels preached. Why would that be? Because it's the right response to the gospel. It's the display of his worth. It's the representation of Jesus. When you lay your life down like he did and displayed his father the one who loves mercy. So this is the spirit of martyrdom that testifies of his worth, and this is the call of the church. Die to yourself and pour your life out on Jesus. So Maranatha, come Lord Jesus, but until you come, Lord, have mercy on the wicked and raise up a faithful witness among your enemies. And strengthen the church, God, in this late hour. To remain faithful in the giving of the gospel, even unto death. I tell you this afternoon that this is not wisdom for some far off super Christians. There's no such thing. This is for us, right now. We need this. We need to to know God, and love well, even unto death. So let's pray. Would you stand with me? We want to. I want to just pray for us real quick. Um, for God to help us (laughs) God as wickedness increases before your day we ask for grace God we ask for grace even now God I ask that you would give us your spirit that you would strengthen us God by your spirit and our inner man that we would know the height, the depth, the length the width of the love of the Messiah God we ask in our churches we ask for love to abound still more and more that we would approve the things that are excellent that we would be able to navigate the daily grind of an antichrist lawlessness come Holy Spirit would you help us we bless you you're worthy God you're worthy of a faithful witness we love you we love your leadership we love you we want righteousness on the earth we want your glory to cover the earth as the waters cover the seas we wait for you God and no other man no other woman Maranatha Come, Lord Jesus, it is right, it is good. How long, O Lord? It is right for you to come. We love you. God, until you come, we ask as a people, would you have mercy on the earth? Would you have mercy on the wicked and raise up a faithful gospel witness among your enemies, God? Raise up a witness, God. A witness you are worthy of. That your name and your spirit would put a stamp of approval upon. Have mercy, God. So, Lord, we ask for strength as your church. We ask, God. We ask for that sending of labors. And we ask for that sustaining strengthening power of Your Spirit for each one of us, God. You are the Lord of the harvest and You're the Lord of every one of us. We look to You, God. Here we are. Send us. However You will, God. Make us faithful. Make us faithful to Your Son to represent Him, God. that you would be glorified in all things. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.